Hey, good morning, Cottage Hill. We're glad you're with us. People coming in, if you're joining us on live stream, welcome. We're glad you're here for our second week of, of worship. So I get a I get an email every day from Chuck Lawless, who does some things on church health and gives every Sunday. It's a, an encouraging word for the day. So I thought this is an appropriate psalm over us. So why don't we stand together? Psalms, just their songs of, of worship. Psalm 33. It fits with worship. It fits with what this moment in our in our country's history. It says, "For the word of the Lord is right, and all His work is trustworthy." So you think of that. What you're going to hear today from the Word of God? It's right. It's right for your situation. It's right for this moment. His work is trustworthy. That work He wants to do in you, in our country, you can trust it. it might be scary, but you can trust it. And then it goes on. He loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. So, Father, we just worship you and are so grateful that that is you. That describes you and, and those of us that have walked with you, we have found that to be true. So your word is right. And so we pray that we'd be able to receive it as it's sung over us, as we sing it, as it's proclaimed. What's right for us in this moment? What is it you're speaking to us that will enable us to fully experience the life that Jesus has, has died to make possible for us? Would you allow us to be people that reflect justice and righteousness and mercy? The earth is full of your love. And so, God, help us to be carriers of your love because we've deeply experienced it and because we understand every person deserves that. So, to, you, to the glory of your name, that's what we pray over today. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning. <laughs> Oh, 
you.
this whole week, God, the songs that you have put on our hearts to just praise you and lift you up high and exalted, God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Good morning, everybody. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm sure most of you do. My name is Max, and uh, I lead the youth group here at Cottage Hill Church. And Pastor Jeff just asked me today to come up and share my story of how I came to know Jesus uh, and how my life has changed since that time. And um, yeah, so I grew up here in Springfield and Chicopee, um, and my family was very involved in their church. Uh, from the time I was born, I was in church every Sunday and every single Wednesday for either kids' church or Sunday school or whatever it would, uh, whatever it would be. Um, my family was very involved. My mom was and still is a worship leader at their church. Uh, my dad used to do sound, and for a number of years, he did the youth group, actually, at our church. And so I knew all about Jesus growing up. I knew all about uh, church. I knew all about his sacrifice. Um, but I think it was around four years old when was the first time I heard the gospel. I was at like a Sparky's club or something like that in some church, and I have no idea where, but um, they gave a gospel invitation, and I said, you know what, that sounds good. But I think the reason it sounded good was because if you went up, you got a lollipop. So I went up, and I got a lollipop. And, um, but it opened the door for some lady to share the gospel with me, and I believe when I was four years old, I decided, like, I'm going to make that decision. It sounds good. Trust Jesus and live a life that will glorify him. Um, so as I was growing up, that's what I tried to do. I tried to live the best life that I could. I tried to honor him. I tried to be nice to people. I tried to help people. Um, and I think for a long time that I really did that. But when I got to uh, middle school and high school, when the world started to become real, where you started to realize uh, your parents can't protect you all the time, you're not with your parents, your parents' faith um, isn't your own faith, uh, and things started to get tough uh, is when uh, my faith was really tested. Um, so when I was in middle school, my sister was raped. Uh, when I was in middle school, I found out my father was a drug addict, and him and my mother were going to split up. Um, and that was really tough on me. And in that time, I decided that I was going to abandon my faith. I decided that I was going to live for the world. I decided I was going to do things for myself. Um, and I quickly realized that was not the way of life that I wanted to live. That was not the way of life that was going to glorify God. Um, so around my, I think it was my freshman, sophomore year, a friend of mine, Brandon Hart, invited me to come to uh, Word of Life snow camp. And I had been to Word of Life before, um, not for any camps or anything, but for uh, what they called Super Bowl back then, but now it's called Reverb. Um, so he invited me to come to snow camp, and he convinced me because he said there was basketball tournaments. And I love basketball, so that's what I did. I went and I played basketball, but God had an ulterior or an, uh, a different purpose for that weekend. Uh, he wanted to bring me back to him. So I remember hearing the gospel that weekend, and I was like, man, God, something really has to change. At this time, I was involved in um, doing and dealing drugs, and I was just in a really, really bad place. And I remember him saying, Max, something has to change. Like, you need to come back to me because this is not the life that I've called you to. I've called you to so much more. Uh, and I believe it was then, at that trip to snow camp, that I really, truly accepted Jesus as my Savior. Um, I know I said I did it when I was four years old, but as I went home and I started reading the Bible and pursuing quiet time and uh, pursuing him through his word, I came across in one of the first verses that I ever truly studied when I started taking my faith serious was Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, when you truly take that step, your old self is crucified with him. Your old desires, your old self is gone. It's dead. It's no longer you who live. You don't live by your own selfish desires. You don't live for your own passions. You live for Christ and his passions, what he wants for your life. And as you continue to follow him day by day and search after him moment by moment, everything you do is going to be empowered by him. Everything you do. And I saw that. My freshman year when I decided I'm going to trust Jesus, I'm going to follow him, I saw that. God has done amazing things in my life. Um, He's redeemed my relationship with my parents. Uh, He's redeemed my relationship with my sister. Um, Every single person in my family is now starting to take their faith seriously. He introduced me to an amazing woman uh, who, if I wasn't with her, and I did not meet her during that time, I don't think that I would be where I am today. Um, But I am a true example of how God can change your life. And God can change your life, too. So I challenge you, if you have not taken that step, to talk with someone who you know, to talk with someone who you trust, and get to know this Jesus that can really change your life.
our lives when we're running astray, when we're on the wrong path, but we think we're doing the right thing, just like Max said he was, just like all of us were at one point. You know, we think we make a good decision sometimes because it, it's what's, what's best for us, what seems like it's best for us. But Lord, we know and we trust that you have our best interests in mind, Lord. So just um, this is our cry to you, Lord, that we just... We know that your plan is perfect. We know that your ways are perfect. We know that you reign on high. So Lord, we just submit ourselves to you to follow your will, Lord, and, and just bless that, God. Please just bless that in our lives. Amen.
Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. Lord, we pray that right now. Let us see what you see. Let us see people how you see people. Let us love how you love. Lord, take over our lives. We need you. We need you so much. Change us from the inside out, God. I pray a blessing over this time, Lord. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Change our ways, God. We ask you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so a number of years ago, I was, I found myself getting really, just those seasons you have, we're just getting really irritated easily. And the worship team led us in that song. And that phrase for about a year became something the Holy Spirit would just really keep pressing on me. Teach me how to love like you have loved me. You know, a lot of times we'll go, teach me how to love like you. But man, when you then take the next step, like you have loved me, then it's like you're saying, how can I... How can I keep from giving to others what you've given to me? You know, it flows into forgiveness or whatever that is. So, good. So, hey, appreciate all of you who have signed up ahead of time. We encourage you to hang around in fellowship. We're doing that outside just so that, you know, the air is a lot better outside. Uh, we've cleared off this part of, our, of the parking lot. We kept people from parking there just to give you some room to spread out because, you know, we want to encourage you to fellowship, but we also want to encourage you to to do that from six feet apart from each other, just so we honor that, that part. And then one of the areas as part of our worship, whether you're watching on live stream at home or whether you're here in the room, is just our offering and, and that part of following Jesus where you recognize it, boy, everything you have, he has given to you. And then you just ask the Holy Spirit to show you what, what is it you'd like me to give back to you? What is the sacrificial gift that you're looking for so that you can bless me, so that your kingdom work can continue? Just a couple of ways that you can give. We in, in the chapel, we have these two offering boxes at the back. Uh, you can give online at our website, or you can text to give. You can text Cottage Hill Give to, to the number you see, 73256. And then, uh, you we've done some mowing around the property. We actually own about five acres. It was just, that was a huge God thing that we got that much property in the city of Springfield. And so we have the building footprint and then we have the grass. Tony Koyeski is putting together a team of people that would mow. Typically we get, we've gotten a team of about six people. So every six weeks you'd mow. It takes about an hour and a half now that we don't do the hill. Uh, we have this beautiful Kubota you can ride. So if you want to talk to Tony and learn more about that, we'll be setting up that team. And then of course Wednesday nights, we're back in the building. We're, we're glad to be back praying. It's part of our culture, part of our our mission statement, and so we'll be here Wednesday at 7 if you're able to be in here. We're also, we also have a Zoom room that you can come in and, and join from home. We, we have the TV set up so that you, we can watch you watching us. So if you're not able to come in, join us in that way. You can, you can uh, contact the office to get that Zoom room number, and then we're continuing the evening and morning prayers. Just for this time, we're going to continue that. It's been an area of growth, and, and it's been a, a blessing. We've seen just some, some significant answers to prayer that just that we've been sharing as we go on. So if you haven't joined those, we encourage you to do that. 
it's not it's uh just been a blessing for there and then of course tomorrow you'll be able to start signing up for for next sunday to to reserve the seat in here we're growing a little bit more week after week and so you want to do that and so hey, we've been done this for a long time and we we really appreciate you know bev and sue and and marion painting our mission statement on the on the cafe wall as you came in but this is what we're about and when we look when people have a heart for new ministry we see does it fit into this or when we evaluate what's going on this is the this is standard we use so let's just say this together this is why we're here this is worship as a part of this so that when you go out this is what you can be doing so say it with me cultivating a body equipped with the word and empowered by prayer to make disciples that change the world and that's that's what we hope we do that's what will change the world so Hey, Pastor Ted's going to come up in a second and preach. I just want to share, I've listened to a couple of podcasts these days following the death of Ravi Zacharias. I listened to a podcast uh, out of their ministry called Ask Away, where people just submit questions about the faith. They're hard questions, and people on their team answer it. So they've had friends of Ravi's coming in just to speak about him. And one of his close friends, Sanj, uh, was just uh, saved, was a brand new believer, just had this passion to tell everyone he knew about Jesus because of what Jesus had done for him. And so he got to know Ravi Zacharias and God just orchestrated it so he became, he had some opportunities to be with the family. And so he's at this one meeting early in his salvation and he sits next, next to Ravi Zacharias' his wife, Margie, and he's getting ready to speak and he comes out and Sanj says to her, isn't it just so exciting when he speaks? And in my mind, I'm picturing somebody saying that to Cindy, you know, after what 35 years but she says to him this really gripped me she looks at him and says he is an anointed man he's an anointed man and uh, clearly he was i mean god raised up Ravi zacharias but he just raised him up to do what he created him to do just like he's raised you and i up like like for what he wants us to do and we have the anointing that we need to do that we just have to walk in that so just having heard that, I just have been praying, God, I, I want to be an anointed speaker. I don't want to be just a prepared speaker or an experienced speaker. I want to be an anointed speaker. So, so just before he comes, I just want to pray that over Pastor Ted. So pray with me. Father, you know, I know my brother well enough to know that his desire is to glorify you in this moment, handling your word. And so you say we don't need anyone to teach us because we have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And, and we understand that. I just pray that there would be an anointing in this moment on the word that you've put on his heart in this word that you've, you, that you've laid up in heaven forever that would deeply penetrate us to live out the anointing that you've called us into. We're so thankful for the ministry of our brother Ravi Zacharias and the influence he's been and for how his ministry is established to go on. And we pray blessing over it and over his family. But we pray that same anointing would be present in this place because you're here. So we ask that to your glory and in your name. Amen. Good morning. The text I'm going to be using this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we will get to that to read it.
the word I want to share this morning was something that I think I had on my heart before I left when I was in Florida. So February went by, and then March I came, we came back, and I wasn't feeling well, and then the church shut down, and then April and May, and here we are in June. But God has his timing, and he knows what needs, uh, who needs what and all that. Um, I just find, I don't know about you, this time that we're living that it's a time to pull back and really reflect on your life. Reflect on where you are, where you've been, where you're going. And um, I kind of like think of this message as a big picture message. Not something I'm going to focus in on, but looking at the big picture of our life. And uh, the title is Groaning for Glory. And it's amazing how many places you see that in the Bible, that word groaning. And that word groaning, when you look up the definition of that, it means moaning. You're moaning. And if you ever heard, maybe yourself, or you've heard people moan in pain, you know that sound. And the Apostle Paul is talking about that as we groan for God, as we're groaning to finally get to heaven as we're groaning in our own walk with him to get through these things that maybe in our life that are in the way or we have this um, kind of like this spiritual discontentment within us where we're content in, you know we're content in all things but yet we're discontented in what is not happening in my life and I'm not uh, I'm not negative and I'm not in a, in a place where I'm disappointed but we know there's more. Amen? And so that's what we're, Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, we're pressing on forward to what's ahead for us. I mean, who would have thought three months ago this, this would be on our plate? And yet God knew that, and I, and I as we're going to see, it's like he knew this and he's operating in our lives Everything that we have been doing or that we were doing, everything's been kind of turned upside down. People out of work, people not feeling well, people passing from this world, financial instability. We're seeing these things right before us. And we know that God is still in control. Amen? The thing is, we know that, and then it comes to the place do I believe it? And so the question this morning is, we all, we all want to see real purpose in our lives, to know what life is about. What really makes the difference in life? That's the question. What really makes the difference in life? The first point here is the question of life. The meaning of our existence Look at a verse here, James 4.14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's not a negative statement. That's just reality. Compared to eternity, our life is short. It, it, just like that. I don't know about you. I've been to enough funerals and wakes and, and people passing away unexpectedly and it's like, okay, what would I do if I knew, like, next week I would be going home to the Lord? 
Would my life change? Would I be doing anything different? Because I like to look at things in reality and look at things the way they really are and not live in these concepts in our, our mind and self-defense mechanisms so that I, I don't have to take the full brunt of, of what reality really is. We're, we're strangers and we're pilgrims passing through this world. And what is my purpose for being here? And the question is, and it's not a negative question, can, what difference does my life make? What difference does my life make in this world? And I ha happened to be seeing a remake of that movie, The Midway. I think it's, it was put out in 2019. And I never saw it put in this way, but when we were at war with Japan, what happened was we were in a corner and basically um, we were, Pearl Harbor happened. And I never understood how we really won that. And as I watched that movie, and it was based on true facts, they the United States Air Force destroyed a destroyer right at the time where it looked like we were going to be defeated and this, and this Japanese destroyer was returning back to Japan and it turned the war in our direction. And why I said that is that because the truth was there were like three fighter pilots that basically did the impossible and what they did and they took down this one pilot had, was responsible for taking down three aircraft carriers himself. And I'm saying, what is the importance of one life? It can't even be measured. And so when you think of your own life, don't think of it in, in negativity or look in the mirror and say, what difference can I make? With God, all things are possible. And we don't know what he wants to do in our lives, whether you're younger or whether you're old. You may think, my time has passed. Well, read the Bible. Read about Moses. Read about Joshua. How old were they, they were when they went into the promised land? I think they were 80 years old. God's not limited by any of that. And so the meaning of our existence, what difference do I really make? We read there, my life is fragile. Here today, gone tomorrow. The other sub-point I want to make is the meaning of life. Basically, in my mind, and I know there's more, there's like, I saw two options. One of the options is being materialistic. Like the things of this world I am after, and those are the things that are going to satisfy me. Just look at the life, read through the book of Ecclesiastes, look through the Psalms, look at the life of Solomon. He had more than anyone would ever think of having in this world, and yet he came to a conclusion. He had money, he had palaces, he had women, he had riches, he had everything that here in America we're pursuing after. And the end result, he's already told us, is that it's not going to satisfy. It's going to satisfy for a season. And yet there's this incredible drive, incredible drive. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that drives people. And it isn't interesting, the thing that drives America is a lot of times it's finances and money, and it's almost like God just pulled a rug out to get our attention, to make us think, okay, what is important and what are the priorities that I have in life? A verse here in Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, 2 and 3 and 9. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, 
Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. What profit has a man for all his labor in which he toils under the sun? That which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Whether you realize it or not, it just looks, comes in a different form, but there is nothing new. It just comes around a different way. And so another generation passes, another generation passes from this world, and the next generation is intrigued by that, and it's the same thing. Nothing new under the sun. It has a different form. And this is what Solomon said, after all his futility and vanity of life, the answer is, what's it all about? It's all about a relationship with God. We're here, we're alive, there's a purpose for our life. There is life after death. And so then you ask yourself, what am I living for? That was part of the reason that I believe I got saved was because I had college education, went to college, another degree, had a decent job, had all that, and yet... There was something inside of me. I knew something was missing and I wasn't happy at all. Probably if it was nowadays, I would have probably been on some type of antidepressant because I, I would go for days without talking to people. I was so distraught with life. And yet, it was part of the process that God was using to bring me to that place where I realized I need him. Another thing in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear God and keep his word. Having a simplified life. Not so complicated. And I think a lot of what's going on is our life has gotten kind of simplified So you got the materialistic person, and then you got the humanist. Life consists in his relationship with humanity, better relationships with my wife, with my children, with my neighbors, with my co-workers. There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is man is good, and there's no need for God. I got saturated that when I was work, working for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in human services because there were some good people um, who didn't believe in God at all, and yet were in that place of helping people. And I would see it every day. They really didn't care about people. They believed that man was the answer for man, and, there was, and they believed that they were the answer for people, and they had this attitude and this arrogance about them, and this power about them. And basically what happened was um, there was no need for God. Humanism is actually a religion in itself. Man glorifying man. Took a while, but it infiltrated the, the educational system of our country. Little by little, God is out, humanism is in. 
But the human, the humanist, he's maybe further along down the line than the materialist, but also doesn't have the answer. The second point here is the quest for life. So the first one is the question of life. The second is the quest of life. Now we're going to look at us as believers, as Christians. We should have the answer. We understand our purpose. What is our purpose here? We have a purpose. Our purpose is here is to glorify God. That's why we're here, to bring glory to him. So everything we do and we say is to bring glory to him, not glory to ourselves. And yet in the midst of that, like an unsaved person, as a believer, we're frustrated and unfulfilled in our pursuit. If we're really honest, we think those things too. What's my, what can I make a difference in the kingdom of God? What can I actually do? And yet... We see here that as a Christian, we understand our purpose, but we struggle and are frustrated. I'm no different than you. Why am I frustrated? Why am I in that place where I've lost my purpose sometimes? I get caught up. So when I have you turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, I'll start in verse 1. Read four verses here. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, and Paul's talking about this body of ours, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, that's us, in this body, groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. I'll stop there. I don't know about you, but you have those times where you are groaning within yourself to be out of this body and to be in his presence. Amen? And in a time like this, Lord Jesus, we're thinking, come quickly. And yet, there's that, there's that groaning that we have to be with him. But also, I want you to see, there's a groaning also within us that God's purposes will be fulfilled in our lives. His purpose will be fulfilled in our lives. So it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, you're still in that place where I want to get to heaven before Jesus Christ. I wasn't perfect. I stumbled and fell at times. But with all that I had, I tried to do what he wanted me to do. I wanted to complete what he gave me to do. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. There is a day. It's true. There will be a day. We're going to go to heaven, but we'll stand before him and he'll reward us. It's not a day of condemnation. It's a day of rewards. 
But those things that were wood, hay, and stubble will be removed, and what's left is what we did in his name, what we did to glorify him. And most of what you do probably is not even going to be seen by the public. It's not going to be seen by people here. It may be seen by people here. No one knows what you do when you leave here. Some people do. You work, who you're interacting with, who you, who you share the gospel with, who you love, your prayer life, all of those things. It's not just for you know, rewards for someone who stands up here. Actually, the judgment is greater for those who stand up here. And so it's, it's in a place where he wants to reward you. And so, the first thing we see is, I'm going to look at this verse in Romans 8.22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Because of Adam's sin, even the creation groans. You have earthquakes, you have floods, you have all these things. Everything in, this, in creation is out of whack because of the sin that came into the world, because of Adam's fall. And so creation is groaning. We as believers have not yet... Let me go back. When man fell... It brought death to himself and created and created order of things. Labor became hard. Creation is running down. Basically, we're in that place where we're seeing the earth and creation slowly running out of steam and the things that are going on in the world. That's what we're seeing. And Jesus said that in those, in those last days, you're going to see that. The beginning of sorrows. I'm not saying this is, but this could be. This is a type of a plague. The beginning of sorrows. Things that we're going to see happen. And who knows what else is around the corner. So we see creation growing. And then look at Romans, right after that, Romans 8.23. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit... Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. I mean, wouldn't it be great, like one of those days that's coming, all your aches and pains will no longer be. Amen? <laughs> all those issues, gone forever. So here we are, we groan. Creation's groaning, we groan within ourselves. We as believers have not yet arrived at the place we're going in our Christian walk. We're groaning within ourselves too. Lord, I want to do your will. I want to complete what it is that you have for my life. That's what wrestling in prayer is sometimes. You're just crying out to God. What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you have for my life? I can't imagine like before I was, running my own life. Making my own decisions, what I thought was the best decision. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. That's why we need to stay close. So 
So a lot of times we have a, a, a life of waiting. We're waiting. People who can't wait, and we've all been in that place, they're, they're individuals who respond fast with their emotions and they're impulsive. It's showing that it's just a sign of immaturity as a believer. God is looking to make us men and women of God that can wait on him. I haven't arrived, you haven't arrived, but yet you know his timetable is not your timetable. His ways are not your ways. We would want everything done so quick and so fast, and yet he's doing something beyond that. He's always, he's always working. As that song, The Waymaker, says, God is always working. Whether you think he isn't or you think he's abandoned you as a believer, he's always working. The third thing is, for ourselves, we groan within ourselves. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in his time also. He has put eternity in our hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. That last sentence there, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. This is written, these things were written by Solomon, who was, had the, probably the most wisdom of anyone ever lived on the earth. God gave him that wisdom. And so when you read those things, it's, it's good to acknowledge that, that I need to hear that. I won't go back in 1 Corinthians 5, but basically he was saying we groan for a new body, we groan for release, we groan for immortality. I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't know about you. And yet here we are, some of us, yeah, we want, God has a plan, and yet we have a fear of death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, the Bible says. And yet, everything's in his timing. I have my, my plan in my mind how, how I want to leave this world, you know. Of course, it always comes out the easy way, right? I don't want to go there. I don't want to be like that. I don't, it's like, it's according to what he wants and what can glorify him. We sin. God is not finished with us. We sin and we fall short. We haven't yet arrived. We get frustrated because we fall short. We fall short. We fall short. What I find is that, not that you fall short, that you sin. It's like, who's going to get up and keep moving forward? Who's going to keep up? A righteous falls seven times and gets up again. A righteous person. If you believe in your mind that he died for all of your sins and all of your mistakes at Calvary, that means everything was future when he did it. He already died for your failure tomorrow. But the enemy will want us living in depression over that, in guilt and condemnation. As believers, the Holy Spirit creates a desire in us that we would be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit puts that desire in us that we would be like Jesus. Will we ever arrive there? No, because Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. But that's where the bar is set. I want to be more like Jesus. That's what's going to bring glory to God. 
John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Is that my will? That I would do his will and the very nourishment of my life is to do his will. And we're all in a different place. We're all in a different place of maturity. We're all along a different, we're all along the same path, but we're at different places. And as time goes on, I mean, sometimes you talk to somebody and it's funny, they, you talk to them and they look at you like, wow, you know how, you seem so spiritually mature. Yeah, you're looking at someone after 42 years of being a Christian, going through trials and those types of things, and you've just begun. So be patient as God works in your life. We are never fulfilled, we're never satisfied, and we're never content until we're in that place. Yeah, be content whatever state you're in, it says in Philippians. But what I'm talking about is in our mind, we know I'm never going to be content and totally satisfied until God's work is completed in me and I'm also with him in heaven. That's the goal. That's why the enemy will say to you, sit back, you've, you've gone far enough, you've done good, Relax. No, there's, there's more. God has more for our lives. He's not concerned about how old you are. It's, it's your heart after him. We long for the day when God's redemption is perfected in us. That's either going to be that we go home to be with the Lord or he comes to take us away at the rapture, we'll be in that place where God's work, we long for that day. It's just like when a woman is pregnant and then goes into the hospital to have a child. Um, she suffers the pain, but when that new birth comes, there's joy. Sometimes there's, there's, we're going to see there's pain and suffering in this world. Sometimes we're surprised. Well, just look at the life of Jesus. He was God, and he suffered. And if we're following him, we're going to, at times, suffer. Now that i become a Christian, everything is going to be great and smooth. I'm not going to have any problems. I'm going to have peace. Yeah, you'll have an inward peace in the midst of the fire and the storms, but you're not going to sidestep any of that. That's what builds character for us as believers. Character is built, not you can look at someone, oh, God gave them character. Character is built by choices you make in your life. That's how a character is developed. Making decisions and if, it's, if you're a Christian, making decisions that God wants you to make, your character grows stronger in him. Some suffering is pointless. Our own, sometimes it's our own ignorance or stupidity we're suffering. 
We'll say, oh, the Lord did this. No, you did that. <laughs> that was a bad decision. You didn't listen to what people were telling you, and you went ahead and did what you wanted to do. And you suffered. Does God stop loving you? Of course not. But we see, our own, we see our own children do that. And we watch. And they're not smart decisions. Hopefully they'll learn through that. Or suffering can be the result of evil perpetrated on mankind. This is just my opinion. That's what I, that's what I call this pandemic. Evil perpetrated on mankind. There was something behind this. However it happened. And we're suffering because of that in many different ways. As a country. And as a people. But then there's a suffering with Christ and it has a purpose in view. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. The sufferings of this time cannot even be compared to the glory that we're going to receive when we get to heaven. What does it say in 1 Peter? The trial of your faith is more precious than gold. You know, sometimes they say in the world, whatever doesn't make, whatever doesn't break you makes you. God will put us in the fire to take out the, the impurities in our walk, whatever that is. I don't look to suffer, but when suffering comes, God is there in the midst with you. You're not alone. And the last point here, another reason for, for our frustration is life we have no eternal perspective. What's your perspective? Is your perspective eternal? Thinking about the things of the kingdom of God? Or what is my perspective? You have to live in this world. You have to, you have family. You have to work. Those are all things we have to do. But what is your perspective as you step back in, for life? What is your eternal perspective? What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Seek him first. An eternal perspective. I see someone who's lost. My eternal perspective is I want to tell them the good news. What's my eternal perspective? And everything that I see. And it only and you get the perspective when you see it through this book. That's how you get the eternal perspective. You see how God sees things. And when you get this into your mind, that's why it says in Romans twelve, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to get transformed so you start thinking. With God, and when you're thinking with God, you're thinking from an eternal perspective. What, is this, what does this have to do with the kingdom? How about this? Should I be working this job? Is, where, what's my next move? Eternal perspective. Yeah, you'll make mistakes. I mean, to me, a bad, a bad decision is when you know clearly that it's the wrong thing to do and you go ahead and do it. And so you suffer the consequences. But a bad decision to me is not when you're trying the best that you can and it doesn't turn out right and you find out it was the wrong decision. God can work with us. You're learning. You keep learning. 
you keep learning trial and error sometimes. No, I remember last time. I'm not doing that again. And yet there's some people, they never learn sometimes. And it's because of other issues. Sometimes it says in Proverbs, they're foolish. Why do we have no eternal perspective? We're too routine in our thinking. We're going through the motions. We don't ponder and meditate on eternal things. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. That's too spiritual. I can't think like that. I'm scared to think like that. Well, like we read, our life is but a vapor. It appears for a short period of time and vanishes away. I mean, you think about it. A minuscule little virus can do what it's doing. This shows you how fragile life is. Like, we hear it. It's the invisible enemy. We can't even see it. And yet, the destruction it can do. What happens is, our priorities are ordered like the world's. We're caught up in all the traps. We're basically... I don't want to use the word brainwashed, but there's a system that's out there that gets everybody to fit like a cookie cutter in what you should be doing. It's the world system. And we as Christians, it's a constant battle because we're going against the grain of the system. This is what you should do. If you're smart, this is what you need to do. And they'll tell you all these options. But as a believer, if you read some of the stories of some of the great people that God used, they went totally against the grain. Leave that and go that, go to that country, that doesn't make any sense. You're foolish. I remember when myself and my wife and my family and some other people from the church, we went to live in Hong Kong and China. It was like my parents could not understand that. Why would you leave your state job and go do that and leave all the stuff and leave us? It's like, it doesn't make sense sometimes to them, to the world, but in God's economy, it does make sense. What does God want to do with my life and your life? What difference can I make? Basically, we have a higher calling in life. As we're groaning and we're thinking and we're leaning on God, we're trying to get to that place. Lord, work in my life. I long to be with you, but I know you have more for me to do here. I didn't put it there, but you have the creation groaning, you have we're groaning, and also the Spirit is groaning in Romans 8 as it intercedes for us to take our prayers. Okay, he doesn't know what he's saying, but I'm going to tell Jesus what what, they, what they're really saying. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So we're so concerned about our, our prayers and what kind of words we use. Forget about it. You just pray, and God see, the Spirit sees your heart. He goes, okay, Jesus is what they're trying to say. He intercedes for us with groanings. Well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know the right words. You don't need the right words. God sees your heart. Letting 
let ourselves invest in eternal things. And finally, the, this last thought, the purposes of God must be seeked after and desired to be fulfilled in our lives. The purpose of God must be seeked after and desired. Do you seek after and desire the things of God? I challenge myself and I challenge you. There's no other reason for living. It's to seek him and to pursue him because he has the best plan. You don't have the best plan. He does. He knows everything about you. He's, he created you. He knows your gifts. He knows your personality. He knows your temperament. He knows the perfect fit for you, where you should be and what you should be doing. Oh, but I'm going to figure out the best thing for me. It doesn't even make any sense. But that's how the enemy works. That's how the devil works. He comes as an angel of light and will trick you into believing. Oh, you know, don't listen to that. Right now, he's telling you right now, as I'm speaking, don't listen to that stuff. Yeah, don't listen to me, but if it's according to the Bible, it's according to his word, then take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. We long for the purposes of God to be fulfilled in us. So I'm going to, um, I just want to close in a prayer and, and, and for those who are watching online, um, I want to close it here and then for us that are here, uh, just remain seated. I just want to uh, have a song I want to play for you. So God, we just thank you this morning and we thank you that you have a purpose for our lives. Lord, I pray if there's someone out there that doesn't know you, that they would realize that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You have purpose for them, that you love them, that you paid the penalty for their sins, and you want to give them the free gift of eternal life. If you're out there this morning, just say, Jesus, come into me and live. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new beginning. Give me a new perspective on life. We praise you this morning. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. For all of us, just pray that we do keep leaning on you. Lord, speak, continue to speak to us. Continue to guide and direct our lives. Maybe you're off, off track this morning. His gracious hand wants to pull you back. Holy Spirit, just give us that eternal perspective to see why we're here. We're here to glorify you. Lord, just thank you for our brothers and sisters here this morning that in the best that they can, they're bringing glory and honor to you. I just pray that they continue on. We thank you this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Continue to work through our church, Lord, and outside these walls that our, our light would shine. We have the answer. We have the answer to this big picture of life.
Holy Spirit, just burn it into our hearts and our minds. And we just can't wait to the day that we see you, Jesus. But in the meantime, we press on to the mark of the high calling. It's in your name we pray. Amen.